Hey, good morning. Hey, welcome to River Ridge. My name is Matt, and I'm excited to be here with you this morning on Time Change Sunday. All of you guys came early for a change, which is kind of exciting for me. So here's some prayers. See if these sound familiar. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It's a nice prayer. How about this one? God is great, God is good, and we thank him for the food. By his hands we must be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. It's a good prayer. Pray that every afternoon at the uh, Second Avenue Center with the kids. Here's another one. Bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty. Through Christ our Lord, amen. I prayed that every single night growing up in our family around the dinner table. We prayed it a lot faster. Bless the Lord in these, I guess, we do about to see from the Christ our Lord, amen. But nonetheless, um, a good prayer. Those are nice prayers. It's good to pray, you know, for my kids. And, you know, as I go to sleep, I pray that as I wake that your soul, my soul will be in your hands. It's good to be thankful for the food that God has given us. It's good to be thankful and recognize that the, the, the bounty, that, you know, through Christ our Lord, that the bounty comes from him. Those are nice prayers. But I would suggest this. I would suggest that most of the prayers that we pray are safe prayers. Most of the prayers that we pray are about our comfort. Lord, help me. Most of the prayers that we pray are about keep me safe, keep my family safe, Lord be with so and so, Lord be with me as I travel, that those are safe prayers that we pray. And they're good prayers, and I pray those as well. But here's what we're going to do. For the next three weeks, we're going to pray unsafe prayers. We're going to talk about what does it look like to pray dangerous prayers, As we do this, what if the prayers that we prayed caused us to get outside of our comfort zone? What if the prayers that we pray cause us to be stretched and to grow? What if the prayers that we pray, God had to come through or we would fall flat on our faces? What if the prayers that we prayed, instead of make my life simpler, make my life easier, make my life more comfortable... What if the prayers that we prayed were, Lord, give me the strength to do what you want me to do. Change me, mold me, challenge me. Now, what if the prayers that we prayed, as other people looked at God answering those prayers, made people kind of sit up up and take notes and go, there's something different happening there. And I would even go so far to say this. What if the prayers that we prayed got God's attention more than normal? You go, whoa, that's not a normal prayer. What does this guy really want? What does this woman really want? That's what we're going to do over the next three weeks, is we're going to talk about what does it mean to pray dangerous prayers. So let's start in prayer together. God, I pray for this morning, I pray that you would open up your word to us, and I pray that even in this next 30 minutes, that you would make us feel uncomfortable, that you would challenge us in the way that we pray that we would leave here differently today, Lord, because of an understanding of who you are, of what you want for us, and a desire to live an exciting life trusting you because that's all that we can do, God. 
Teach us to pray dangerous prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. So I did something dangerous this week on Wednesday. I looked under my couch cushions. And I want to share with you some of the things that I found under my couch cushions. Um, Not surprisingly, I found uh, several River Ridge pens in there. Uh, I found some wrappers, some granola wrappers, some uh, goldfish wrappers, an old Kleenex. Uh, I found some candy that's probably not edible. Looks like there's a couple of sprees and a Whopper in there. I found a receipt which gives us at least how long it's been since we cleaned under this before, which goes back to uh, June of this past year. So it's been at least that long since we've looked under the couch. Uh, There's a hairband in here, a toothpick, a mint, which if anybody wants that, I can give that afterwards if you like. Um, But so we... I looked under the couch, it was a bit of a dangerous thing, into the cushions of the couch, and I found all these things that I didn't know were there. Now, I suspected that there were probably some things there, but I didn't know what I was going to find. This morning, the message is search me, that what we're going to do is we're going to learn to pray, God, search me. God, look at the depths of my heart, look at the depths of my life. And as we do that, we're going to find some things that may not be so easy to deal with. We may find some things that are encouraging as well. But what we want to do is we want to learn to pray this idea of search me, to dig up the things in my life that are buried that maybe I'm not even aware of. And we're going to do that by looking at Psalm 139. So if you brought your Bible, open up to Psalm 139. Begins this way. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. That's how it begins. Lord, you have searched me and known me. And I want to talk about a truth before we get into this and understand this. Here's the thing is that when we pray, Lord, search me, God already knows everything that is in your heart. He knows the good, the bad, the ugly, the junk, the stuff that is in there. God already knows that. He knows what excites you. He knows the fears that you have. He knows the anxieties that you have. He knows when the things that come out of your mouth aren't really the things that you think inside of you. He knows if you're here this morning and you're searching to find what it means to have a relationship with Christ, he knows that. He knows that if you're here this morning and you're searching to find your way back to God, he knows that. God knows everything about us. But yet we still pray this search me prayer. And as we look at this passage, we'll understand why it is that we pray this search me prayer. And what does that mean for God to search us? So what we're going to do is we're actually going to read just the last two complete verses of Psalm 139. And I'll read both of them all together and then we'll look more deeply at them. It says this in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So the prayer this morning, search me, it's not just two words, it's really unpacking these four phrases in these two verses that we're going to look at. But the first one from verse 23, the first half of it, says, search me, O God, and know my heart. So here's the first part of a search me prayer is search my heart. Search my heart. You know, there are things that we know about ourselves 
And there are things that God knows about us that we don't know. And so when we say, search my heart, what we're doing is we're asking God, we're saying, there are things inside of me that I don't recognize. There are things inside of me that I don't understand. Maybe I see the tip of the iceberg, but I don't understand what lurks below. And so what we're doing is we're saying, God, search my heart. I want you to bring it to the surface. Bring the junk in my life. Bring the crap in my life. Bring the stuff in my life up so that I can deal with it. Which kind of begs the question, why? Why not just kind of keep it buried? Why do we want to bring the junk up in our lives and deal with it? We have a ministry here called Celebrate Recovery. And as part of Celebrate Recovery, we offer something which is called a step study. And in a step study, you go over the 12 steps of recovery. And it's, it's about a year-long study. And as I've talked to folks who have gone through this, step number four is by far the hardest and longest and most challenging and also the most important step in this 12-step process. And it says this. It says, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. You know, this is the step that often causes people to drop out of a step study. They say, it's just too hard to look inside. But yet, that's what this search me prayer is about. It says, search me, know what's in me, bring it to the surface. Why do we want to do that? Why do we want to dredge this stuff up? And here's why. is because unless we bring stuff to the surface, then God doesn't deal with it. That when stuff comes up, then we can deal with it in our lives. If you think back to the couch cushion analogy, the visual analogy there, if you, if you keep stuff buried under your couch cushions for a long time, things eventually go bad under there. It begins to, you know, the cheddar, there's goldfish that I found in there, goldfish crackers. That eventually becomes like food for mice and then homes for mice and homes for lots of mice. Like you can kind of see that, if you, that nastiness under your couch cushion. And the same thing is true in us. If we keep that stuff buried it festers, it grows, and then it comes out in really, really ugly ways. I was reminded of this as I thought back to when we had kids early on, in our, when our kids were born in, in their toddler and elementary age years. And uh, there was probably a 10-year period where I don't think I ever got mad. I never raised my voice in anything. I never got mad from like kind of right after college until my kids began to like being like hellions or something like that, you know? Like, but it's just, it's just interesting. And I, and I looked at my kids and I would yell at them when they were like, you know, three, four, five years old and I'd get frustrated, why you do this? And, and, and I thought, you know, the problem is my kids. And then I kind of went through this search me prayer, this search me thought. It's like, no, there's stuff inside of me. There's anger inside of me that comes out from time to time, that lashes out, that raises my voice. And I go, that stuff inside of me, I need to search and see why is that there? And that's part of the search for me. Look at my heart. Wow, there's anger in my heart. And it had been dormant for a number of years. And say, why is that? What is behind that? That's the search for me where we ask God to bring it to the surface. Then the second half of the verse is this. It says, try me and know my thoughts. Try me and know my thoughts. 
Now, your version may say something a little bit different. The Hebrew word here for thoughts is actually a little bit longer than the word thoughts. Probably the most accurate translation, which doesn't really kind of speak our language, it would be disquieting thoughts. It's this idea of try me and know my disquieting thoughts, or my, your version may say, my anxious thoughts. But what we're doing there is we're asking God, reveal my fears. Reveal the fears that's, that are in me, and reveal why it is that I have these fears. You know, if you're to think about your own life, and again, this is kind of this introspection sort of thing, what are the things in your life that cause you anxiety? What are the things in your life that cause you to just get stressed out, to have fears? What are those things? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it just causes fear in your life. Maybe it's finances. It's just like, it's just this stressful thing. It causes anxiety in your life. Maybe it's stuff with your kids, where they're at spiritually, or the decisions that they're making in their lives. But ask yourself, what are the fears that you deal with when you get that kind of nervous thing, you get that tension in your life? What are those fears? And then when we say, reveal my fears, what we're doing is we're saying, let's take a step under that, a step below that and say, why do I have these fears? Why do I have these anxieties? Why do I get this tense, this, this nervousness? What does it point to? Because when we can identify the fears and be honest with ourselves about them, it will point to something deeper in our lives that God is bringing to the surface. I'll give you an example uh, in my own life um, and kind of show you what's under the couch cushions of Matt Santon's life. And, um, and by the way, if you're new to River Ridge Church and you are like hoping to have a pastor that's perfect, you know, just keep moving on, keep looking, because I am as broken as anybody else um, and just willing to kind of share my junk out there. Um, but here's the kind of thing that revealing my fears. So one of the things that I do uh, just in my regular time with God is I, is I journal. I read God's Word and I'll write some things. I'll write a paragraph or two. Or sometimes I'll just, when I get anxieties or fears in life, I will write those out. Um, and then one of the things that I do that's kind of neat is once a year, usually in August, I'll read my entire journal to see what are the themes that are there. What are the things that God has been teaching me? And so I did that this past August, and I looked and I saw a theme there uh, that was sort of an under-the-couch cushion theme. And it was this. I realized that I had a tremendous amount of um, fear and anxiety. It came up a number of different times where I have a fear that River Ridge Church won't thrive, that it won't be a thriving church. And so I began to pray these search me prayers. Why does this come up over again? Why does this come up a number of different times over this last year? And this is what God revealed to me in my search me prayers, is he revealed that I have mixed motives, that I have mixed motives, that there is a part of me and, and my desires for every church that is, I want to see people baptized. I want to see people come to Christ. I want to see families centered around God's word like Monty was sharing with his family. I want to see people joining groups. I want to see people serving and going out on mission trips. And there, that is absolutely a big part of my heart. But I also, in this introspective of search me, reveal what's behind these fears. I realize this. I realized that I 
put a lot of my value and worth in how River Ridge Church does, that I put my significance in. If it's doing well, hey, I feel good about myself. And if it's not doing well, then I feel bad about myself. It affects me in a big way. And that was God bringing that stuff up. And, and as I'm kind of reflecting back in August on this and doing this search me prayer type of thing, what I realized is that if I put my hope in the success or thriving of River Ridge Church, that's really no different than somebody in the business world putting their hope in, if my business is successful, then I feel good about myself. If I make enough money, then I feel good about myself. If I, you kind of fill in the blank, if I have a bigger and bigger company. You know, and that's not where our hope is found. Our hope is found in Christ. And so that was just a process that I went through. I said, God, why do I have these fears? Why do I have these anxieties? And I would encourage you to pray this search me prayer, to look, to uncover, to say, what is there and why is it there? The next verse says this, verse 24. It says, And see if there be any grievous way in me. See if there be any grievous way, if there's any grievous way in me. And, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that kind of I get the advantage of doing is looking a little bit deeper at this stuff. And with just doing two verses, I was able to dig real deep on some different things. And there's a really interesting thing here. So the, the Hebrew word for uh, grievous is the word osteb, right? Uh, but if you look at different translations of the Bible, you will see that people translate this part of the verse a little bit differently. And so I've actually got three different translations or four different translations up there. So in the New International Version, it says, see if there is any offensive way in me. In the King James Version, see if there be any wicked way in me. And the New Living is point out anything in me that offends you. Now, here's the thing. Is it that the, the translators don't agree? They're like, that means this or means that? No, the reason is, is this word in Hebrew, osteb, is this word that has too full of a meaning for one word to really capture its essence. You see, when we talk about, is there anything grievous in me or wicked in me or offensive in me, it's getting at this understanding or this idea that there are things in our lives that keep us from having a full and dynamic relationship with Christ. That there's junk in us, and when that junk is in us, it keeps us from knowing the Savior fully, of having this abundant life that God wants us to have. And so it's offensive to Him, it's wicked for me, and it's all wrapped up in this one deal of this kind of separation that happens. Now, I want to be real clear kind of theologically here. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have forgiveness of sins. If you say, I place my faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you have forgiveness. You are bound for heaven. But anybody who has received Christ into your life, you know that that doesn't mean that we stop sinning in life. There, there are still wickedness in us. There are still things that we do that offend God. There are still grievous things in us. And those things hinder our relationship with God. And so the more that we can be done with sin, the more that we can get rid of sin in our lives, then the more that the fullness of our relationship with God can come out. And so I put it this way, is uncover my sins. 
uncover my sins. We want God to uncover and expose our sins. This is part of the search me, God, uncover my sins, reveal my fears. This is all part of the same prayer. So how do we do that? How, do, how does God uncover our sins? How do we go about seeing the uncovering of our sins? I'll give you just a couple, three different ways. Uh, one is through God's Word. The Bible says that, um, that, or in the book of James, it says the Bible, or the Word of God is like a mirror, that we look in the mirror and it's a reflection of are we reflected in God's Word and we read God's Word. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That the Word of God goes to the very depth of who we are. That's why it talks about this expression of separating joints and marrow. It goes to this idea of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When we read God's Word and we look at it and we meditate on it, it shows us what is in our heart. It uncovers the sin that is in us. Here's a second way to uncover our sins. And I mentioned this a few minutes ago, is journaling. And for me, you know, journaling may not be your thing, but I love to write. It helps me to reflect. But part of that, whether it's journaling, but it's just this idea of self-reflection, of, of meditating, of, of thinking and reflecting on my life and giving God this opportunity to uncover our sin. And then here's a third source, is people. People can be a great source to uncover the sin in our lives as we interact with people, but also as we listen to what people say about us, as we see how people interact with us, that can reveal to us sin in our lives. Because our tendency is to say, no, that's your problem. No, that's your problem. But if we can actually hear people and internalize that and hear what they're saying about us, that can show us sin in our lives that we weren't aware of as he uncovers sin in our lives. And here's the thing, as we do these three things over and over, search my heart, reveal my fears, uncover my sins, um, but it's not just a one-time thing. So I searched under my couch cushions and I found all kinds of junk, but then I thought, you know, it's Wednesday, it's dangerous Wednesday, and I'm going to uncover, look under my couch, and it got a whole lot uglier. I've got like a couple of Haiti swords in here. I've got tennis balls. I got fur balls and hair balls and all kinds of stuff in there. And I share this with you because all of us have junk in our lives. And we want God to reveal it. We want to deal with it. Why? Because of what we find in this next verse. It says, the last part says, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting because we want to experience the abundant life that God has for us. But when we have junk in our lives, the more junk that we have, the less of God that we experience. And so the final part of this is, Lord, lead my life. I'm going to kind of leave it as a cliffhanger right there because we're going to come back to this next week. We're going to ask this question, and the next week the message title is, Lord, change me. And that's a dangerous prayer. We're going to talk about how to do that. But we bring up the junk, and then we say, God, lead me. God, change me. We're going to talk about that next week. There's a couple who's been a part of River Church uh, for quite some time, and they have been praying a dangerous prayer 
for a number of years. And God is answering that prayer right now. And so I've asked them to come and share with you a little bit. Um, so it's Roger and Sherry Payne. And so check out this video as uh, Roger and Sherry come on up here. Matthew 28, 19 tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My name is Roger, and this is my wife, Sherry, and we've been married for 16 years. We're a blended family. We have five sons, two daughter-in-laws, three grandsons, and one on the way. This is our story on our journey to Moldova. Back in the summer of 2014, God was calling me to something more, and it led me to go on a short-term mission trip to Moldova. When we got back from the mission trip, I was on fire and felt God calling me to something more full-time, and I knew I had to get Sherry there. And I told him there was no way I was moving to Moldova, but God had other plans. So the following summer, I boarded the plane for Moldova. What I learned was that due to circumstances out of their control, there has been a lost generation of young people that have literally grown up without parents and any idea of a family structure or the love of Jesus. This generation of young people feel that all hope is lost, but they are seeking to fill that void in a variety of ways. Reality for them is alcoholism, abandonment, and shame, and some of the highest human trafficking statistics in the world. As it says in Matthew 12, 21, in his name, the nations will put their hope. This is our call to Moldova. Partnering with World Team was almost natural for us. They embraced the core values of evangelism and discipleship building relationships through which we can share the gospel and training national leaders to grow and reproduce. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. We're sharing our story with you because God is calling us to be a part of bringing the light of Jesus to a nation searching for hope. This is a journey that we cannot take alone and nor do we want to. We're asking that you partner with us, that you walk with us, and that you pray for us. To reiterate what Sherry was saying, we need financial partners and prayer partners. We're asking that you prayerfully consider being a part of our team as you send us to the nations. All right, awesome. So this is Roger and Sherry Payne. It's Roger with a D, Payne with a Y, and Sherry with, a, with an I. So just to keep all that straight. So um, how long have you guys been part of River Ridge Church? About four years? Okay. Um, and you're part of the Taze Valley campus, That's right? That's correct. Um, and so the first time, well, where's, for, for those that don't know, where is Moldova? Moldova is um, Eastern Europe. It is actually situated between the Ukraine and Romania. Okay. And how, how big is it? Uh, it has Geographically and then also like population-wise? It's uh, roughly the equivalent of Maryland as far as landmass and people-wise, it's 3.2 million. Okay. So about... Twice the size of West Virginia, roughly. Okay, cool. Um, so, when Roger, you went to Moldova first, yes, right. And what year? What year was that? Or when was that? How many years ago? Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Okay. Um, and then your first trip was when? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Okay. Um, so, what was it that attracted you to Moldova? <laughs> um, when I first decided to go on a mission trip. Um, I had no idea where Moldova was. I just wanted to give more time back to God. And when I made that decision the following Sunday, a pastor from here came to, to our church and was speaking on Moldova. And I said, I'm going to go. 
Okay. And then it took a little bit of effort for you to get Sherry to go the next year. Is that right? Yeah. A lot of effort? Yeah, a lot of effort. Um, I went to all the team meetings, but as the video said, I, um, I didn't really want to move to Moldova. And Roger just came back from that trip saying, hey, I think God's calling us to Moldova. I didn't like to fly, and it just wasn't going to happen at that point. Okay. Um, and so, but you began to pray and kind of said, God, show us what's next. How did, how did it go from sort of a trip or two trips to, hey, we want to go live in Moldova? What was the process that God took you through in that? Um, for me, it was a whole lot of what your sermon just talked about. Um, God had been getting a hold of me for at least five, six years with junk, a lot of junk. And um, Celebrate Recovery was instrumental in my walk with God, that fourth step, the inventory piece. Um, I remember having a conversation with God where I was like, I just don't know what you want from me. You know, haven't I checked off all my boxes? And I remembered at that time God very gently said, yeah, you've done all those things, but you really haven't done the one thing that I've been trying to get you to do your entire life, which was to walk through my story. Um, my story isn't a pretty one. I mean, it's one of abuse, and um, God wanted me to dig that up, and I remembered saying, you know, what good? What good could possibly come of having to walk through this? But um, from that very first mission trip, at the very end on the last day, God touched my shoulder again. He, uh, there was a... Um, a counselor there speaking on human trafficking, sex trafficking to be exact. And I remembered at that time God saying, your story will have a place in Moldova. And I cried. I cried all the way back on the taxi ride because I knew Roger was right. God was calling us to Moldova, but he had also just given me grandchildren. So it's taken three years to kind of process through that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an amazing story, just the idea of where you were and kind of the brokenness and the junk. And if you had kept that down, hadn't gone through celebrate recovery, hadn't said, let God deal with this junk, you wouldn't be heading to Moldova, and you wouldn't be kind of where God has you now. That's, that's awesome. You have anything to add to that, Roger? Well, if it, if it weren't for celebrate recovery, we wouldn't be here. I mean, that's first and foremost. Um, we were going through junk, and um, Sherry was the first one to celebrate recovery, um, I didn't need help. I didn't want to be one of those people. <laughs> um, come to find out, thank God I am one of those people. And, um, I mean, it truly saved our marriage. Um, it helped us walk through the junk together and figure out what we had to do. And it wasn't long after me making that decision that I decided to go on my first trip to Moldova and... God's been in control ever since. Yeah, that's neat. So, um, when you uh, when you get to Moldova, what is like what what will your what's your assignment there? What will you do, kind of on a day to day, month to month basis? Um, we'll be with with World Team, and it's a church planning organization. So it's focused on evangelism and discipleship. So that will be our daytime job, so to speak. That's what we'll be doing. Um, for me, I know that I've already, from that very first mission trip, have kept a connection with a young woman who's opened the first certified Christian counseling center in all of Moldova. So my evening job will be working with the women um, that come through her counseling center. Okay. Um, for me, it's always been youth, um, young men. Um, if, 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 the, if the youth of Moldova realized that they could stop human trafficking, it would stop, you know? Yeah. 
Um, what do you, in this kind of, in this last kind of six months or so, what, are, what do you feel like God has revealed to you? Like, what are some of the fears and anxieties that you guys have had as you kind of think about going a couple thousand miles across the ocean? What about our children? <laughs> what about our grandchildren? What about our careers? Yeah. What about our retirement? I mean, all of that. You know, we've had to, we're, we're not young. <laughs> you know, we've, <laughs> we've had to process through that stage of life where, you know, our entire history and everything that we know that's comfortable is here. Um, and we're leaving a lot behind, but we trust, we know that God has a plan, not only for us going there, but in the influence he'll have on our children and our grandchildren while we're gone. Cool. Um, one of the things, and you saw in the video, that this is forward, which is part of kind of where we're going over the next couple of years, is wanting to um, be able to fund missionaries leaving River Ridge Church and going overseas. And so um, your, your giving to River Ridge Church, uh, part of that kind of is the sort of the foundation for Roger and Sherry uh, and their uh, personal support raising. Uh, but there's also people, if people want to uh, kind of support you on top of that financially or in prayer, kind of talk about that side of things. Um, sure. Um, um, first of all, um, prayer that we would desperately need is um, my last day of work was Friday. Um, that's, a, that's a huge step of faith. Um, um, but as far as um, financial support and prayer support, we definitely need your prayers. One, that um, our, our children and our grandchildren know that we love them, even though we're not there. Gosh, after that, um, we are approaching um, a little over 70% in our support, which we think is awesome because we really didn't start until May, um, so God has been so good, but we're approaching that last 30%, so um, that's going to be our focus heavily for the next several months is bringing in that last 30, and we know that God's faithful, I know that he's going to, but we are here today also to say if anybody would like to partner with us, please stop, we'll send you our newsletter um, we'll tell you what you need to do to get involved, and it'll be greatly appreciated. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Let's give him a hand. So if you would uh, like to talk with them, they will be out in the lobby uh, between services and after the second service. I'd love to hang out and uh, answer any questions you have about what they're doing and who they are, their background, uh, pretty much open book, whatever you guys would like to know. They'd love to help you with that. Um, so uh, let me pray, and then we'll head out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity that we have. Um, and Lord, I, I pray that now we would begin the hard work, Lord the hard work of searching inside, of taking a moral inventory of, of you revealing our sins, Lord. Show us the things that you want us to deal with this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.